It's the Ag Ship Podcast. I'm Patrick Mayhorn. I'm the founder of the Ag Ship, a credentialed outlet and newsletter delivering Utah State football, men's basketball, and women's basketball feature-length stories and reporting to your inbox several times per week. You can subscribe at www.theagship.com at either the 6 or $10 a month tier. If you'd like, you can try the $10 tier, which is the flagship tier, free for one month. If you click on the one free month button in the Welcome to the Ag Ship post in any of the film studies, um, you can follow the outlet on Twitter at The Ag Ship and me on Twitter at Patrick underscore Mayhorn. Um, we've got another sort of positional look episode here today. I've got slot receivers and tight ends to talk about. Those are the two uh, forecasting the Aggies stories that went up this week on Monday and Wednesday, respectively. Um, the slot receiver story, if you're just a free subscriber and you would like to kind of get a sampling of what you're going to get with a, you know, a $6 subscription, um, you should check out that, that slot receiver story. It's free. It's, it's free to everybody. Uh, I wanted to not put it behind the paywall for the holiday that went up, I think on the, on the fourth, if I remember correctly, uh, it's still free. If you're interested, if you're just, you know, you've listened to the podcast, but you haven't subscribed to the, to the outlet, um, and you haven't read that story, go give it a try. See if you like it. If you do, uh, certainly would appreciate your support. If you have subscribed, um, especially in the last, in these last couple of weeks, as subscriptions have been turning over from the first free month to fully paid. Um, if you have subscribed, thank you very much for your, your support. I know I've said it a lot on this show, but, uh, the ag ship is entirely subscriber, you know, funded. I, I don't have, there's no Gannett, there's no pop-up ads, there's no, you know, dark, shady cabal running my uh, my content and, and, and telling me what to and, and, and not to uh, write. It's just me. And I think that that's really cool. I think that that's going to hopefully create some really cool, good content once we get into the season. And, and already, I think it is. And I'm, I'm working right now on a series that I teased last week um, that I don't, I'm still not going to give away at this point, what the, the, the details of what it is, but, um, it's really cool. It's really, really cool. I'm really excited about it. I, I think you can hear the excitement in my voice. Um, and that is going to be on its way, not this upcoming week, uh, as I record here on July 8th and you listen on July 9th. Um, that's not coming this week. It's coming next week. So it'll be like the, um, I don't know what that week would be. The around the 18th, uh, back end of the month, second half of the month, first week of the second half of the month is is when that will be coming out. So yeah, like the 19th, I think is the day that 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 first part of it is going to drop. If I'm remembering correctly, it's that Monday. Um, but I've been working on that a lot this week, sort of just in the background, so that I can have some stuff backlogged. Uh, I've got some interview interviews done for it. Um, I think it's going to be really really cool. If you're if you followed my Twitter at all, you might have an idea of what I'm working on, but I, um, I've, I've done a lot of sort of research and collection of data for this thing, and I, I think it's going to be really cool. I think a lot of people are really going to like it. I think it's going to be really good for sort of hardcore Utah State football fans who are into this sort of thing, who are into the, you know, really detailed, extensive coverage of their team. Um, and that's, uh, I'm, I'm excited about that. That's all I'm going to say about it right now. Uh, I'll probably talk about it more on the next podcast, but I think honestly, the majority of the audio part of that series is going to be the podcast that comes out 
on the 23rd, I think, because um, that'll be after the series has, has largely dropped, or at least it started. It's going to span two weeks. Um, but that is when you can expect to hear that. For now, I'm just going to leave you the teaser of I have a history thing coming soon that I think is really cool, that I think is really extensive, and, and covers a lot of different angles of a, a certain historical... Uh, story, I guess, that I wanted to, to talk about. Um, this week on the podcast, not a ton of news. Again, it's sort of a slow news week. I talked about realignment stuff on the premium Q&A show. Uh, if you are a $10 subscriber and you have not heard that show, um, you should have a, uh, a link in your email from something called Captivate from earlier this week with an RSS feed that you can plug into any podcast player. Uh, I said as much in the post that went out to two flagship tier subscribers, but if you have any issues with that, just send me an email and I'm, I'm happy to help out. A couple people have it. I, I hopefully have solved their problem. Um, but if you've not yet heard that, uh, that is how you access that. If you are a $6 tier subscriber or a free subscriber and you are interested in my thoughts on Utah State's place in realignment, you should upgrade to the $10 flagship tier. Uh, if you do, you will get access to that premium feed and all future premium Q&A shows. We're going to do those once a month. You can send in questions, uh, and uh, that goes just to just to the premium subscriber, the, the the flagship tier. I don't. I, I I keep saying premium. I don't mean premium. I mean flagship tier. Premium is anybody who pays. I I don't mean to. <laughs> I don't mean to degrade the the six dollar tier. Right? My choice of words is bad. The six dollar tier is fantastic. It, it, again, any support of the egg ship is much appreciated. Um, but the ten dollar flagship tier Q and A is is where I talked about realignment. Uh, not a ton of news this week on that, and so I don't think I have a whole lot else to say. Curious to see what happens with the uh, the Big Twelve sort of eyeing those four teams in the Pac twelve. Um, if I'm being honest, I think that those teams fit better in the Big 12 than they do the Pac-12 anyway, with those four being the two Arizona schools, Colorado and Utah. I think that they're a better fit for the Big 12, um, just in general, not even as it pertains to this, you know, this this current stage of realignment. But, like, in 2017, I thought that. Um, and, and so that's pretty much the extent of my, my thoughts on it at the time is, yeah, that seems fine. I don't really like all the consolidation because I like college football, but honestly... I pretty much just watch G5 football anyway, so I don't think it's going to be a huge deal, uh, at least personally. Uh, obviously, more people will be impacted by that, but um, I'm just going to keep watching G5 football. It's better. It's more fun. Um, so this week, like I said, we got slot receivers. we got tight ends to talk about, and then we also have... Um, I, I've put together my personal, not reporting, not anybody else's opinion, just my personal skill position importance rankings. Um, so this is, now that I've, I've finished all of the offensive skill positions, um, I wanted to go through and do a, a top 10 of sort of the, the most important uh, skill position players on this team. And when I say most important, I'll get to this in a little bit, I do not mean best. I do not mean most impactful as a prediction. I mean most important, I mean, which guys coming into the season, apologies for the background noise, it sounds like my cat is going nuts, um, <laughs> please excuse him, it looks like he's got a, there's a bug outside and he's he's hitting at the door, um, but when I say most important, I don't mean best, I don't mean anything like that, I just mean these are the guys heading into the season who Utah State needs the most from this year, right, Who who are 
not necessarily on the on the hot seat, but these are guys who need to need to contribute. This this is the the who most needs to contribute, who is most important uh, going into the season, um, not who's best, not who I think is going to play the best, who I think is going to record the most stats, whatever it is, just most important. Um, and so top end of the list is a lot of older guys, guys who, who you'd need for veteran experience. And then the bottom of the list are sort of guys who it would certainly be nice to get contributions from, but I don't think it's going to be the end of the world if they're not quite ready. Uh, before we get to that though, let's talk slot receivers. Um, I broke the outside and, and inside receivers up into two different posts for two reasons. One, I think they're distinct enough to merit it. Um, Utah State uses slot receivers a lot. We'll use two on the field at the same time. Uses them differently than they use outside receivers. The two rooms don't mix a ton. Um, <clears throat> Devin Tompkins did a little bit of outside stuff last season. I think it was like 84% slot, 16% outside. Um, but Brandon Bowling was like 94% in the slot. Um, it's usually going to be in the slot. It's, you know, guys who are slot receivers usually stay in the slot and guys who are on the outside usually stay on the outside. Um, and, and so I wanted to break those up for that reason. And also because the outside receivers post was originally just going to be the receivers post. And then I got done with the first two receivers which are the two outside receivers and it was 3,000 words and I thought well this probably isn't going to work <laughs> this is this is going to be too long I already know I go long in the tooth I, I like to I like to be as extensive as possible but um it's probably going to be too much so I, I split them up uh so slot receivers my projected starters were uh Terrell Vaughn the transfer from Ventura College and uh a little bit of a I don't know if this is an off-the-wall pick. It's a, it's a pick largely based on spring performance. Uh, Nana Davis um, was my other starter. I, I hope I'm getting his name right. The pronunciation guide on the website says Nana, so I'm going to go with Nana, and if I'm wrong, please correct me. I, I um, Getting names right is important to me, uh, and, I, and I don't want to... Uh, I don't want to be saying guys' names wrong. So if I get a name wrong, please do not hesitate to tell me. I am uh, I'm more than happy to uh, to 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 hear that and to fix it because it's more important to me that I get the names right that I, than I protect my pride. Um, but those are my picks as the starters right now. I think Vaughn is pretty easy to understand. Um, you know, super effective, productive receiver at Ventura College. Um, 700 some yards last season finished his his career there two seasons with like 1500 receiving yards looks a lot like Devin Tompkins in terms of play style he's only 5'7 but he's 175 pounds really good athlete very vertical for for how short he is um good after the catch there are I have some questions about his route tree just as a Juco guy those guys don't run a ton of routes usually there are offenses that do but his doesn't um or didn't it was a lot of go routes a lot of slants a lot of sort of loose just find the space kind of things and Utah State does some of that too but there are there's more routes there's a it's a more defined route tree and so that's really my only question about him though And, and I have more questions about the other potential slot receivers and so he, I'm pretty confident in slotting slotting him into that that role. I think that he is certainly a starter uh, as it stands right now. I think it would take something pretty severe to knock him out of that. He was an All-American at the JUCO level last year. Um, he's really good. 
He's a really good player. I, I think people who got to see him in the spring are pretty well aware of that. He looked great in the two scrimmages, looked great through practice from what I have heard. Um, I'm excited to see Terrell Vaughn. I think he's really good. I don't know. Uh, I do know. I know he's not Devin Tompkins because um, I don't think very many people are. That's a lot to ask of a receiver. 1,700 receiving yards is a big number, and so I don't think that it's fair to expect that. But I, I said as much in the post. I think that something around 900 yards, close to like Brandon Bowling's production, is probably fair for Vaughn. I think that that's, that's about what I'm expecting is, you know, 50 to 60-ish receptions, about 900 yards, um, seven or eight touchdowns. I think that'd be really good. I think that's a good season for him. He's got two years. Um, I, I think he fits the offense really well. I expect him to be a starter and a, a, a really valuable one from day one. Um, Davis is... I'll, I'll say more of a projection. Looked fantastic in the spring. Looked fantastic. Was was pretty well thought of as a recruit out of Alabama. Did everything as a high schooler. Played cornerback, played receiver, played some running back. Um, yeah, he was a first-team All-State honors as an athlete, just general. Um, really good player. Track and field guy. Really impressed with him. Um, I loved watching this guy's tape, This this guy's high school tape. Obviously, we haven't seen him actually playing at Utah State, which is a hang-up. It's, it's obviously, I think, worth mentioning, and I, I can see... I, I think that there's more hesitation on him within the fan base uh, in thinking that he's going to be a starter. I totally get that because he is so new. He's a redshirt freshman, didn't play last year. Totally, totally get that. Um, I'm going out on a limb here with this one. This is a projection as much as it is anything, and I, I my projection is that I think he's going to be really good. I think he's already really good. And... I just, I I can't shake those spring scrimmage performances. I can't shake the idea that he probably has the highest ceiling of any one of these guys. I, not, I don't think there's even a probably about it. I think he easily has the highest ceiling of any one of these guys. I like this coaching staff. The way that they develop receivers, I think, is really good. Um, and so I, I kind of think that it's going to just click for him early. It, it just happens like that for some guys where they don't need that long to become the player that they're going to become. It doesn't mean he's going to hit his ceiling in year two or anything, but I think he's going to be ready early. I think he's that kind of guy. There might be some growing pains. There might be some young guy mistakes. Maybe he runs the wrong route. Maybe he has some trouble with his hands occasionally, but he's such a good athlete. He's so good with the ball in his hands. He runs such good routes, um, just strong at the point of contact. Just looks good. Just looks really good. And, and it's it's hard for me to shake that feeling that even if he's not the day one starter, which I don't want to, you know, I obviously projected that he would be, but I'm not super confident in that. It's just somebody has to be. Um, I, I think even if he's not the day one starter, he's going to be starting come come November. I just, I do. I think that he's too talented to keep off the field. Um, and so I have him, I have him as my number two slot receiver with obviously not as, as strong a, a hold on his position as um, Vaughn has. But I, I, I think that... I think that he's going to be the starter by at least by the end of the year. I'm confident by the beginning of the year. Less confident. Um, my number three is a is the the only um, actually returning proven slot receiver on the team, and that's Kyle Van Leeuwen. Um, he 
is interesting to me. He played only a little bit last season, 84 snaps, I want to say. He did have uh, eight receptions for 63 yards. Um, showed a little bit, at least. Looked, you know, looked looked competent when he was on the field. I thought he did a pretty good job in the, I want to say, BYU game. Did okay against New Mexico State. Um, other times he was just sort of there. Obviously didn't get to play a ton, but... For a uh, a number four slot receiver, which he was last year, um, I think he did pretty well. I think he I think he showed at least enough to to feel pretty excited about him. Obviously, he's listed as a junior, but he's two years older than most juniors because he did a mission trip. Um, he's pretty well known, uh, certainly with his his familial ties to the school, and from what I've gathered, pretty well liked. Um, but and so. I could see him starting the season next to Vaughn. That that would be, I think, if I'm being realistic, he probably starts the season next to Vaughn. And, and Vaughn still gets the, you know, more snaps. There's not always going to be two slot receivers on the field, but I think that um, I, I I think that Van Leeuwen might start the season as the 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 top slot guy next to Vaughn. And by November, like I said, he is he is behind Davis, and that is not anything at all against Van Leeuwen. It's not. I promise. It is a. This is an optimism about Davis more than it is anything else. And I just I'm really really high on what Davis could be and what I think he's going to be this year. And with Van Leeuwen, I don't know that the book is written fully. He's still just a junior. You know, we've only seen one year of him. As a reserve, really, didn't play a whole lot in 2020 as as a redshirt freshman, um, and you know, there's certainly there there I would I would say there likely is more there than we have seen. Um, I think he's good. I think he's a good player. I do, but Davis's ceiling is so high. It's so so high, and I think that you kind of know what you're gonna get with Van Leeuwen at least a little bit more than than you do with Davis, and I think that he could find himself in a really comfortable number three slot receiver role where he comes in and plays plenty. Um, but, but it's not quite, you know, it's not quite as much as the starters do. Um, the, the guy who comes to mind for me is like for last season, Savon Scarver, right? Where it, it's sort of, he's the number three and it's obvious that he's the number three, but he's still seeing time. I think, I think Savon Scarver saw like 200 snaps last season offensively. Obviously, his his major role was as a, a special teams guy, as a returner. But I I could see that for Van Leeuwen, and I think that that's a good role for him. I I, I he might see more because he, I think he's going to start at the beginning of the season. But I just it's it's really hard for me to to see a world where you know by the middle of the season all things equal, they both know the offense about as well. Um, yeah, about equally well. It's just hard for me to see Davis not on the field. Um, I, I think that his top end talent is just too good. I think Van Leeuwen can make a lot of impressive catches. I think that he is going to be a very valuable part of this passing attack. But I've got him as my number three by the end of the season. I, I've got him uh, just behind those top two guys because of sort of top end potential more than anything else. Um, and who knows? Maybe he'll surprise me. Maybe he'll. You know, I've been wrong plenty of times. I could totally see him making the jump in fall camp. He's certainly talented. He is certainly a good fit for the offense, maybe the best fit for the offense of the bunch. Um, 
I could absolutely see it. I, I think that he is, like I said, a very valuable part of this offense, whether he's starting or not, but I've got him as my number three. Um, and then number four, to wrap up at tight end, I've got Taylor Larson, who I know basically nothing about. There's very little on Taylor Larson. Um, Juco guy as well. He's a first-team All-American at Snow College, I want to say. Um, yes, Snow College, uh, formerly from Salt Lake City as a high schooler. I believe he also went on a mission. So he is, despite being a sophomore, like 23 or 24, he's up there. Um, and uh, he's interesting. He's an interesting player. He was a really good kick returner for uh, kick and punt returner for Snow College. And so I almost wonder if that's his primary role this season and that he slots in as the number four uh, in the in the the inside receivers room, that's where I have him. Um, I, I like him more as a returner than I do as a receiver, honestly. Uh, and I like him as a receiver. I think he's tough. He makes hard. He makes tough catches. Uh, his film is is littered with with physical catches, and then you know sustaining a hit, holding on to the ball, going across the middle. That's a nice guy to have. That is absolutely a nice guy to have in your offense. Um, he's a great blocker. I think he's a pretty good athlete. Obviously, you have to be a pretty good athlete to be a a, a good return man. Um, I just, I don't quite see it with him in the way that I do with the other three, uh, especially the two that I have at the top. And that doesn't mean that that's always going to be this way. I just, I don't quite see that, that refinement as a receiver. I don't quite see that reason for extreme optimism. I I think he can be a very good player. I think he's going to contribute as a return man. I think he will play as a receiver, but I've got him as my number four and I'm I'm pretty comfortable with him as my number four. I I think that it's a, it's a distant four uh, behind the other three who I think are in pretty close competition, uh, especially two and three. Um, And so I think he contributes, but I largely a special teams guy. And then maybe next year he's ready to step into that number three role, depending on how things break on the roster. Obviously, slot receiver is still pretty well set for next season as well, unless there's a uh, you know a surprise defection to the NFL um, or to the portal. But I, I, I think that I think that's a role that will be fine for him this season, and eventually down the road he can start to uh, to move more into a an offensive role. But I, I see him as the return man this season. Okay, tight end. Um, my starter here is Josh Sturzer. It's by virtue of he was the number two guy last year, and the number one guy is gone. Um, Carson Terrell is, is uh, no longer at Utah State. He has graduated, and somebody's got to take that role, and Josh Sturzer was easily the number two tight end last year, so I'm putting him in there. Um, looked really good in the spring as well. I think he had 11 receptions for 100-some yards in the two scrimmages. That's what I like to see from him. I'm really curious about what he can do as a pass catcher because I think that that is where his greatest strength lies and that's different from Carson Terrell. Carson Terrell was a really good blocker, uh, was less of a of a factor in the passing game and I think that Josh Sturzer can change that a little bit. Now Blake Anderson does not have a super strong history of, of high volume tight ends in the receiving game but I, I think Sturzer is unique and I think that he is talented enough as a as a pass catcher that he can change that a little bit he looked really good like I said in those scrimmages going down the field a little bit I think I'd like to see more of that from the tight ends in general we didn't see a whole lot of that last season Um, and so I have him as my starter at this point I'm pretty confident in it fairly confident in it Um, he has that year of experience as the top backup he has more snaps than anybody else on the roster Um, looked pretty good in that backup role, it bears mentioning, had some issues, I'll say, with run blocking that I have I have questions still about where he would just miss assignments, and 
it, it seemed like more mental mistakes than anything. And those are easier to fix than physical mistakes. Um, but I still have questions about them need to actually see it fixed before I'm convinced fully. But, uh, Josh Sturzer is my starter at this point. I feel pretty good about it. I, I think that the stability, the stability that he offers, the experience that he has and the potential that he has to improve the passing game, make him a pretty attractive option for that top spot. Number two, I have Brock Lane. Um, Brock Lane is another guy who at this point, it's hard to know a ton about because of that knee injury that ended his 2021 season before it began. Obviously in 2020, he was the top backup. It was, it was, you know, it it was, there were two games where it was pretty much his job and he he looked okay in those games. He had his moments. I, I think he played 46 snaps against San Diego state and Boise state in 2020, if I'm remembering right. Um, he looked okay. Didn't wasn't asked to do a ton. Had a pretty bad drop in I want to say the San Diego State game that I, I highlighted in the post. Um, looked okay, right? But coming out of high school, really, really interesting prospect. Very athletic for how big he is. I I I think he's listed as six four two thirty. I would guess he's close to two forty now, if not above it. Um, moves extremely well for that size. Very physical. I don't have any questions about him as a blocker, even though we haven't seen a ton of it. I think he's going to be fine as a blocker. I think he'll be valuable from day one as a blocker. And he, in theory, is a very, very attractive pass-catching option. Moves really well. Like I said, great athlete. Uh, Hands I'm less sure about. Has tight end hands, for sure, (laughs) which is understandable. He's a tight end. Um, But he definitely catches like a tight end does, which is... You know, is what it is. That's how they catch. Um, but it, it's you know, it, it can cause problems sometimes. It did for him in 2020, um, and so I have questions about that. And I also have questions about uh, he missed a year, missed a whole year of football. He's he's back in in spring workouts, or uh, not in spring workouts, in summer workouts. He missed the spring. Um, seemingly has rehabbed in full. Is is going to be healthy and full go by fall camp. Um, that's great. I think having him involved is, is very, very good news for the tight end room. I just don't know if he can make up all of that ground in one fall camp. That's, that's what it comes down to for me is Josh Sturzer just gained a year of experience on Brock Lane in, in 2021 because Brock Lane wasn't playing and Josh Sturzer was, um, they're in the same class. And I just don't know that Lane is, I think he would have to be significantly better than Josh Sturzer to make up all of that ground in one fall camp. And I just don't know if he is. I think that he might be a little bit better. Uh, maybe I think he has a higher ceiling. Certainly. I think he's a better athlete. Um, but I don't know for sure that he is like obviously the better option at tight end. And I think that that was, that would be what it would be, you know, what would be necessary for him to take the job in fall camp. So I think that Josh Sturzer is the starter from, from day one. And I think he holds the job all season. I do, but I think that Brock Lane's going to play a lot more than Sturzer did last season as the number two. I, I think it's going to be closer to, you know, Terrell was around 500 snaps last season to like 150 for Sturzer. I could see it closer to like 350 for Sturzer, 250 for for Brock Lane, something like that, where there still aren't a whole lot of two tight end sets, which is for the best because it doesn't work for this offense very well. But Sturzer's coming out of the game more. Lane is shifting in more. They're they're rotating them more frequently than they did last season when they had a a more defined number one. So I think Brock Lane's going to play plenty, but I I think Sturzer is the starter, and and I, I expect that he holds that role through the season, and then. 
Um, next spring through fall, there's a, a very, very heated competition for that top spot between the two. That would be my guess. Um, and so that's uh, that, that's where I stand with the top two right now. I like them both. I think they're both going to play plenty, but Sturzer gets the edge because he has that year advantage. Uh, number three is Parker Buchanan. Not a whole lot to say on him right now. Great athlete, uh, obviously. I think a lot of people know his background coming into college where he is you know, quarterback who also ran 158 times as a senior, um, was also a, a averaging a double-double as a basketball player, sub-two ERA as a pitcher, uh, can do a little bit of everything. Best fit Utah State thought was at tight end. Um, I agree. I think that his body type fits tight end well. I thought that in the very small sample size we got to see last year, he looked pretty good. He is still very much, though, a work in progress. I think that it is important to be patient with Parker Buchanan, who is very much still learning how to be a tight end. You could see it last year. Um, I don't believe he saw a target in, in 2021, only played 18 snaps. Um, and I would guess that this is another year of development for him, and that's fine. I, I think that you are absolutely fine with that if you're Utah State. You have two tight ends you can trust, uh, and then a third who you are developing behind them. That's fine. I, I would guess that he sees cleanup snaps, maybe a little bit more than he saw last year, but I, I think that this is still a development year for him. Um, and then to finish the room, there's Troy De La Vega, who I have not done a ton of work on. True freshman, I would guess that he fills a similar role, uh, if, if I'm being honest. I, I think that it's a development for him as well, him and Buchanan. And then once Sturzer and Lane are gone, so maybe going into 2024, depending on how long those guys want to stick around, it'll be a Buchanan-De La Vega battle for the starting job, just like it will be next year and, and potentially this year with... with uh, Lane and Sturzer. That would be my guess, is that those two are the next Lane and Sturzer, where they're pretty close in class, and they, they sort of battle it out for the starting role uh, once it is once the, the, the upper crust of the position has, has uh, departed, has graduated out. Um, that would be my, my guess, and I think that these next couple years are still going to be about development for those two, which is fine. No problem with that. You've got time. Uh, unless there's an injury at the top of the position, which you, yeah, you, know, you can't predict, um, then uh, then those two just working on development seems fine by me. All right. Now, skill position importance rankings. Again, not most valuable, not best, not who's going to play the most, just who heading into fall camp do I have my eyes on as the guys who need to be able to contribute, who I think would be the, the most, who are the most counted on, right? Who, you know, if, if they're stepping up, it's the best news, you know, that, that, that Utah State would really like to see these guys performing. Number one, I have Calvin Tyler Jr. I don't think that this one is super controversial. Um, need a good running back. Need, need, need a good running back. He was very good last year. No reason to think he won't be good this year. But when you're breaking in new starters at almost every single receiver position, and also at tight end, you just you need a running game that you can trust. And I think that Calvin Tyler Jr. is obviously going to be the top halfback, uh, and it is obviously going to be counted on, especially early in the season, to keep the offense on track. There was, I would say, the 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 success rate, the efficiency of the offense was not good enough in 2021, I, and I, I don't know, you know, that explosive attack is really fun, and it can create a really fun season, but I don't trust it as much as I do an efficient attack, and so I think that Calvin Tyler Jr. being good, being relied on, would alleviate a lot of those concerns that I have about the efficiency of the offense. And so I have him number one with a bullet, not even close. Number two, I have Justin McGriff. Um, 
he gets the edge here ahead of any of the other receivers because of his status as an incumbent, because of what he did last season. Um, you need your guy who's coming back, your starter returning, to continue to contribute and potentially, in his case especially, to contribute more than he was, right? Uh, I, I wrote as much in the wide receiver preview, the outside wide receiver preview, but you're looking for a star Justin McGriff or something closer to it this season. The complimentary stuff is not going to fly as much this year when you don't have established stars at the other receiver spots. Maybe those other guys will step up, but it would be much easier if Justin McGriff did. Um, and and I, I think that that is important for Utah State that he does that. I think that that would make things, like I said, a lot easier if he is just ready to take on a bigger role, ready to to handle more responsibility, to handle more targets, more reps. Uh, I have him number two. Number three, I have Terrell Vaughn, who, despite being new in town, does not really get the advantage of, of patience. Uh, he's already a junior. And he's going to be stepping into, like I like I said, I think a starting role. I think one of the top roles on the team in that top slot receiver spot. Um, the, the two slot receivers are going to have to step up. And I think that he is the one who I, I would really look to that Utah State's going to rely on, uh, especially early in the season. I think that they need him to be good from the jump. I think he will be. Um, but I, I think that he's very important to what this team is going to do. Number four, I have Brian Cobbs. Um, sort of similar to McGriff and to Vaughn, where he's older, doesn't really get the the uh the you know uh, the the patience that the the younger guys are going to get i think you need him to be ready to go from the jump um i think that, that it can be supplemented if he struggles i think that if those top three guys are okay then you can bring Cobbs along a little bit slower i don't expect that i think that he'll be fine um but the the possession skill that he that he adds to the offense the sort of uh kind of like Derek, right a little bit a little bit like Derek, right not not exactly. Uh, certainly not the deep threat that Derek Wright was, but uh, this is an offense that's going to pass, and I think that you need two outside receivers you can trust. I think McGriff is, is more important at this point than Cobbs is because somebody else could technically step into Cobbs' role, whereas there's not another big receiver on this team, like big being 6'5". There's not. Uh, at least a guy who I think is going to be able to step into a role, right? I, I, I like Otto Tia. I don't think that if McGriff is struggling, you could trust him to step into a starting spot. There are guys who could fill in if Brian Cobbs is struggling. And that's that's where it comes down to for me. And, and same thing with Vaughn. Um, I, I just I don't know that they could fill that space if he's not good to go. And and Cobbs I am a little bit I'd be a little bit less worried about because there are guys like, you know, Xavier Williams. There are guys in the depth of the team who I think could step into that role. Um Number five, I have Josh Sturzer. Tight end is more important in this offense than you might think. I have him only at no, I have him at number five because I like the backup so much. I like Brock Lane so much, and so if Sturzer doesn't hit, I think Lane will, or vice versa. And so the the importance is dropped. But if there was not an obvious number two, it would be up near two or three. Tight end is really really important for this offense. Josh Sturzer has to be ready to go, um, or Brock Lane has to be ready to go. Whoever whoever gets the job, like I said, I think it's Sturzer. But if Sturzer struggles, Lane's got to be ready. Uh, at, at that point. You know, if we're counting the Sturzer out, then Lane jumps up to two or three. Uh, tight end has got to be on it in this offense as a blocker, as a decoy, as as whatever it is. Number six is Xavier Williams. Um, I have him down at six because if he struggles, I don't think it's going to be the end of the world. I don't project him as a starter at this point. Um, I think he certainly could be. But you've got McGriff, you've got Cobbs, who I think are, are more 
reliable at this point, and and I think Williams can, you know, if he hits, it's a huge plus. It is a big, big boost to have that kind of deep threat, that speed that he brings. Big boost would be really important, but not a guy who I think is critical that he is good from the jump. Um, there are there are other guys who I think can do something close to his role, and there are other guys who I think are ahead of him on the depth chart at this point. So I have him down at six. Number seven is John Gentry. This is a program that likes to use the second running back a lot. He will be used a lot. Um, the the importance drops because it is a backup role, but I think he still matters. I think that he is still going to need to contribute well, especially, and he'd be lower if there was a third running back who I had confidence in, but he, there, it's just him and Calvin Tyler who I have faith in at running back at this point. The backups behind them, I just haven't seen enough from. Either they're too young or just haven't done a whole lot. Um, so I've got him at seven. Backup running back's never going to be the most important position on the field, but in this case, I think it does matter because of how much Utah State uses the backup running back. Number eight, I have Brock Lane. I think I already pretty much explained uh, this one just, you know, interchangeable with whoever the starter is at tight end at this point. Um, again, I think it's Sturzer, so I have him higher, but Lane, you know, similar deal. Uh, if only one of them existed, the the one that existed would be much, much higher on this list than five or eight, respectively. Number nine, I have Kyle Van Leeuwen. Um, I, I, because I don't expect him to step into a starting role, I'm not I don't put a ton of weight on his his importance here because of my number 10, which is Nana Davis. I'm just going to tie these two together. Um, one of them, I think, is going to be good. I think one of them is going to be ready to go. And so I have... I, 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 I The importance here is not as as significant to me because I think one of them is going to be good because it is the number two slot receiver role. Um, and in Davis's case, he, he drops to 10 instead of 9 because he is younger, because... You know, traditionally the redshirt freshman is going to be asked to do less than the junior. So uh, Van Leeuwen jumps up to nine ahead of Davis, but they're both low here because I think one of them is going to be good. And if the other struggles, it's not going to be a huge deal, right? Uh, importance pretty low. Um, just missed the cut. Guys like, you know, Taylor Larson, guys like Adotia, like Quentin Hadnot, maybe like Parker Buchanan. Um, you start to get in. I think there's really going to be about 10 who are who are valuable here to the skill room. I think that the 10 that I have listed off are going to be the 10 who play uh, largely. There are obviously some exceptions. I hope I'm not forgetting anyone big. Um, I'm sure I'll get a, I'll, I'll go back and look and I'll be like, oh, I forgot the starting receiver. Um, but I don't think I am. I think I got them all, uh, hopefully. <laughs> I'm not looking at the roster right now or anything. Um just going off of memory when I put this list together. So hopefully I got them all. Let me actually, let me look real quick, just to, just to, to, to vamp and to be sure that I have not missed a big name that I, that I just completely blanked out of my mind. Um, but as I remembered it off my, off my head, this is the, uh, the, the top 10 for me. Let's see here. Um, I don't think I missed any tight end. Did I miss anybody at wide receiver? Uh, does not look like it. Yeah, Otto Tia, uh, Quentin Adnott, um, Tim Tim Van Leeuwen. Um, Leeuwen, I, I, I think, is interesting. I don't know how much he's going to play because he's a redshirt freshman. Didn't mention him in any of my stories. He is here. Tim Van Leeuwen is here. Um, I think going to be more important in the long term than he is right now. 
I, I like him. I like his brother. I think they're both talented players. But no, don't think I missed anybody. So that's my top ten. Uh, if you disagree, then then feel free to uh, to to you know reply with your own list to the uh, the podcast. I'd be happy to hear yours. I I, I think it's I think it's an interesting topic. Um, if you do agree, then share the show with a friend and, you know, an, an Aggie fan who, you know, and, and who you think would like the show. Uh, I know it's a little bit of a unique show relative to how most podcasts are. Cause most podcasts are not just one guy talking for 40 minutes, but here we are. <laughs> it's, that's what I like to do. And so if you like the show, please do share the show. If you like the outlet, especially please share the outlet with your friends. Uh, you know, your, your, your Aggie friends who you think would like good content. If you know, you, you've got, people who maybe you watch the game with and they say, man, I wish that there was a, a website where I could read stories about the team without there being 1,300 pop-up ads and 12 typos per story. Um, then you should recommend the Ag Ship because hopefully we don't have 12 typos per story uh, and we'll never have pop-up ads. So it's 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 a good deal. Um, but uh, again, you can do that at the $6 or $10 a month tier if you already have. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Again, I, I cannot say it enough. Thank you so much for your support. It means the world to me, um, both literally and, and figuratively. Um, and uh, it's just, it's it's like I've said before, it's been very, very good to... Uh, to, to, to see I've really appreciated the the response that the show has gotten it's been it's been great it really has I can't I can't thank you guys enough for um, the the reaction to the outlet it has just been a delight everybody has been so nice and welcoming and just um, I've been having a great time with it so if you enjoyed the show please follow the outlet on Twitter at the Ag ship me on Twitter at Patrick underscore Mayhorn show the show share the show if you like it share the outlet it's all much appreciated. I know it's asking a lot, but I, uh, I, I, I just, you know, no other way to grow this thing except really through word of mouth and, and through just you know, keeping it going. And that's what we're going to do all through July, through August, into September, into the season. It's going to be fun. Uh, we, will, uh, we will cross that bridge when we get to it. But for now, I will talk to you all next Saturday.